Chapter Twenty One of Riolaro, The Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Audio. He saw at last that I had little sympathy with the part he had assumed, and with a wily insight and versatility he snaked himself round into a confidential conversation on our next step. He told me that he was glad we had come off so well laden with provisions, for he wished to avoid the next islet in the chain, Audio, or the Isle of Journalism. It was the foulest place on the earth, and no one ever landed there who could avoid it. It was the quarantine station, whither all the scribomaniacs were deported, Every island but Aliophane had used it as an asylum for those who were afflicted with the desire to address their neighbors in writing or type concerning their neighbors' affairs and characters. In Aliophane, the government controlled and utilized the morbid state of mind for the advantage of the governors. In other islands it was lamented and guarded against as one of the foulest of contagious diseases. Once it had taken root in a community, they knew there was no eradicating it except by the most wholesale exile. It generally caught the meanest and most malignant natures, too, and turned them into moral sewers. They would not let the affairs of their neighbors alone, and stirred up every mud pool until it became offensive, and when they could not find anything in the shape of scandal or foible or quarrel, they had to manufacture so they filled the citizens' minds with lies about each other, and with cues of attack or offense. They fomented bad blood, and infected the whole community with every spiritual disease that could possibly approach it. There was no lunacy that Riolaro so greatly feared as that of journalism. It was so disgusting and so swiftly spreading an epidemic of the mind. Every man who was touched with it came to fancy himself absolved from all laws of courtesy, honor, and morality. He assumed that he was practically omniscient, and whosoever dared to question this assumption had to be pursued to the death with his most envenomed and deadliest weapons, malice, slander, ridicule, misrepresentation, impudence, lies. They had all agreed at a conference many centuries before that there were no such dangerous madmen, and that their mental disease spread more quickly than a plague. They had therefore fixed on Audio, one of the most isolated of the inlets, as the hospital for this epidemic, and whoever showed any symptoms of it in any island was deported thither. The place had become a complete pandemonium in these centuries. The inhabitants had substituted physical means of attack for their old spiritual weapons, for every one of them had grown so thick-hided from perpetual attack of the others that the foulest charges fell lightly on them. They laughed to scorn the most irritating slanders and lies and banter and mimicry, the favorite methods of their journalism. So, to relieve their feelings, they had to translate their moral and intellectual warfare into physical and the weapons they used were the physical equivalents of their old journalistic methods of attack. They had great air-guns, from which they shot various mixtures more or less glutinous. If they found someone they wished to parasite, it was butter. 
if they had a rival or neighbor to quarrel with and blacken it was ink other preparations were paste variously colored and stench generative filth highly granulated with pebbles and the extract of cuttlefish mingled with the poisons of various plants and animals their missiles were not absolutely lethal they were only noisome and inconvenient until washed off they were made into minute pellets with a hard gelatin shell so that they made no commotion in the olfactory nerves till broken even those they wished to honour were incommoded by the streams of butter that soon streaked their clothes and face honour flattery from them was almost as little desired as their hostile attacks and it was one of the islands which no one visited unless under a stern sense of duty or the incitement of some heroic mood or from accident yet they were thoroughly convinced that they were the arbiters of all reputation in the world if they laughed mankind trembled and were sick if they threatened the orb shook if they approved posterity accepted their verdict and threw up their caps in applause a nod or a frown from them had as great effect as a thunderstorm or an earthquake their fiat was immortal even though they should immediately contradict it as they generally did their respect for principles and facts and truths continued as long as these continued to support their conclusions and beliefs and then the alliance was broken they considered that no loyalty was due to things that were disloyal it was a case then of interseen warfare veiled in great professions of respect and devotion for the enemy if only it would cease to be hostile their treatment of persons was based on the same ideal of rights omnipotence was not to be trifled with omniscience was not to be questioned what was their religion it was the veiled ego they believed that the only true way of making divine was by mystification hide the average personality under nameless and mystery and you give it the attributes of godhead its utterances however feeble gather strength from the secrecy of their source and seem to come from the mouth if not from the heart of mankind the primary article of their creed was this a voice from behind any veil however tawdry or foul becomes the voice of the people and the voice of the people is the voice of god every man of them therefore had become a god and it was his object to bring the rest of the world to worship at his shrine or sheet behind which he ever concealed himself he believed it was only a matter of time when the whole universe would fall at his feet meantime his fellows on his own island had to be subdued to the true faith and his whole time was spent in warfare and the invention of new forms of attack especially of ambush he was filled with complete faith in the righteousness and ultimate triumph of his cause and was ever asserting that truth will prevail at the very moment that he was manufacturing fiction and stench pellets for the conversion of his neighbors and the salvation of their souls by truth he meant his own deliverances for the gist of his creed was this there is no god but i veiled under we the essence and sum of all created beings and i veiled under we is his prophet 
i had become so deeply interested in his account of audio and he in his narrative that we had not noticed a dark band round the horizon broaden and gradually obliterate the islets a cold effluence from it had crept over us to the effacement of our compass and lawn marks the mist soon closed and shut out the sun and sky and then we knew not where we were or whither we headed we dared not move lest we should drift far from both land and our course we had only to throw ourselves passively into the bottom of the canoe and await a change sneekape was evidently much moved and did not add to my cheerfulness by telling me that these mists were frequent and long around audio and that we were brought about by the everlasting hail of gelatinous missiles that rayed forth stench when burst two nights fell upon us starless like the walls of a prison and still the mist rose not our provisions would not last many days but we felt that the boat and the sea were drifting under us or that the mist was floating swiftly over us it must have been about midday when my companion started from his prostrate position and put his hand to his nose it's audio he exclaimed with bated breath he knew it by the indescribable medley of smells that floated over the islet as from a thousand chemical factories and he fancied that their repertory of missiles must have greatly enlarged since his last approach to it there was a new variety in the fetid redolence of the atmosphere if all the putrescent waters and heaps of the world all its asafetida and noisome plants and all its polecats and skunks had been gathered into one centre and all the exhalations from them turned into one nozzle the result would have been aromatic and balmy beside this mephitic stench it was not alone the nose that it invaded but every sense and pore of the body the whole of our human system seemed to be mastered by the olfactory section of it we longed for one sniff even of the crater of climerol gradually the sense of smell got partially paralyzed and a smart grating sound shivering through the framework of our canoe recalled our mental force to eyes and ears the current was bearing us over a sandbank and we could see a dim low line as of land beyond we rose in frenzy to our oars and pushed off and the current bore us past several tongues of land and then it seemed out into deep water we spent hours in the struggle before it succeeded happily the veil was close drawn over the whole scene but it was now near noon and the strength of the midday sun began to penetrate the thick gossamer of floating moisture in a brief time the whole pall lifted and we saw the island lying at a safe distance yet near enough to show us the inhabitants and their occupations it looked as if they had all hung out a very dirty washing to dry for there flapped in the light wind that had rent and veil of mist hundreds of long sheets that had once been white out from behind them peeped the nozzles of air guns and of men and women and back and forward darted various forms of familiar animals whose appropriate noises we could still hear in the distance my companion explained with a smile at my mistaken conjecture that these sheets were their entrenchments behind which they were nameless and secret 
that on them they printed threats and challenges and abuse for the benefit of rivals and enemies and when any one approached they poured forth a shower of stench pellets upon him or chased him in the disguise of some animal one by one they saw us and a howl of execration rose from them and gathered force as they collected into a crowd there was evidently great excitement we had still one long spur of land to pass though happily at a distance they galloped with all their following and their artillery towards it it was a narrow escape for us we had just shot past it into the deeper water when they arrived at its point and set their guns in order the pellets fell short but as they struck the water they broke and infected the air with putrescence one unfortunately touched the gunwale and bespattered sneekape and he acknowledged that they must have invented some new odour surpassing for their strength and noisomeness yet as the current and wind drifted us out of the reach of the raining stenches it was almost a pleasure to have only the offensive feature of my companion's hair and clothes near me we lowered into the inlet into a thin line by distance then we could see them scatter like insects to their various sheets and night sheltered us soon with its cool neutrality of perfume my odorous mate had dipped himself again and again into the sea and wrung himself out till at last only a faint reminiscence of the polecat hung about him it was faint enough to let me listen to his diverting chatter as we drifted he assured me that the current would bear us of itself to the next islet in the chain End of chapter twenty one